Superior Court of the State of California, in and for the County of Santa Felicia, is now in session. Judge George Hazeltine presiding. Hazeltine, a tall, spare man in his sixties, moved arthritically toward the bench, trailing his black robe and a strong smell of garlic. Each morning after breakfast, he chewed a clove of garlic, partly for health reasons, partly to help safeguard his privacy. People were not as keen on bothering him with their twaddle if they had to endure a certain amount of nasal discomfort. Attorneys kept their distance, and lesser personnel either spoke from the doorway or didn't appear at all. In a rather obvious counterattack, his secretary wore a great deal of perfume, most of which, ironically, had been given to her by the judge himself at Christmas, on her birthday and during National Secretary's Week. She kept little balls of cotton saturated with perfume, tucked into pockets and bras and pinned to the undersides of collars and hems of skirts. Sometimes one of these cotton balls would fall out, and the judge would pick it up and smell it and think, that's very nice, I have excellent taste in scent. The judge sat down, cleared his throat, and consulted the typewritten page on the lectern in front of him. Let the record show that the defendant is present, along with his counsel, Mr. Donnelly, and the counsel for the people is present, Mr. Owen, the district attorney. Let the record also show that the twelve members of the jury are present, as well as the six alternates. Bailiff, would you kindly pass out the jurors' badges? These badges will be worn throughout this trial in order to identify the members of the jury and to warn other people to stay away from them, and not to converse with them at any time on any topic. The badges marked juror were handed out by the bailiff, and the jurors pinned them to their left shoulders. With the badges in place, they looked like oddly assorted delegates to a very solemn convention, environmental activists, perhaps, or anti-abortionists hell-bent on saving the world. The youngest juror, a carpenter's apprentice, barely twenty-one, brought his motorcycle helmet into court and kept it under his seat. The oldest was a seventy-year-old housewife with a reconstructed face and hair dyed black but turning obstinately orange. Ladies and gentlemen, you have heard the clerk read the information, the charges against the defendant, Cully Paul King, being murder and murder for profit, to which charges the defendant has pleaded not guilty. It is now time for counsel to make opening statements. I must caution you that anything said in these opening statements is not to be regarded as evidence. Counsel may give you a synopsis of his case and tell you what he expects to prove. Before reaching any conclusions, you must wait until he actually proves it. The judge paused. He disapproved of the business of opening statements and the mandatory speech he had to make preceding them. It amounted to telling the jurors they were about to hear a lot of bullshit which they were then obliged to ignore. If the jury was to disregard opening statements as evidence... Why bother with them at all? The system did no credit to the lawyers themselves or to the law, and it was apt to befuddle the jurors and cause them to distrust any statement made by anyone during the course of the trial. It was a poor way to begin a case, forcing the jurors to listen to a whole day or more of oratory which they must then forget they heard. Utter nonsense. No wonder the judicial system was bogged down. The opening statement belongs to the people he said. Are you ready, Mr. Owen? Yes, Your Honor. Proceed. The district attorney, Oliver Owen, rose and took his place at the lectern, facing the judge with the jury box on his right.
He tested the speaker, which squawked in protest, adjusted it to his height, glanced at his notes, and then fixed his eyes on the jury. He was a good-looking blonde man in his forties, and he spoke in a loud, almost belligerent voice, as if he were already in the middle of an argument before the case even began. Ladies and gentlemen of the court, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I bid you good morning. This is a simple case. I'm sure every attempt will be made to give it twists and turns, to confuse the issue by setting up detours. But the fact is, the road ahead is straight and direct, and it leads to one man and one man only, Cully Paul King.